Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Boss Up Podcast, episode 310. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Boss Up. And today I'm really excited to kind of wade into a philosophical debate with my guest here today around the self care industrial complex, which is something I think about a lot as someone who likes a good face mask and recognizes that face masks alone aren't going to solve, I don't know, our big burnout work culture crisis in this country, or I don't know, a global pandemic that is the source of so much stress, anxiety, illness, and death in our world right now, or any number of climate change, late-stage capitalism-induced crises, (laughs) whatever you want to call it. There's a lot of reasons to be in need of self-care these days. And unfortunately for all of us, cucumber slices and uh, you know, manis and petties aren't going to get us over the finish line (laughs) completely. That's why I'm so excited today to talk to Stephanie Lee, who is the founder of a really interesting new company called Self Made. With a lifelong passion for learning and being challenged, Stephanie's got more than a decade's worth of experience across very different industries that I identify strongly with, from her uh, early days in politics and government serving with the Obama administration to beauty and consumer good brands. Self-Made is a culmination of Stephanie's lived experiences and spurred from healing from her own mental health crisis. She began her journey as a field organizer in the Obama presidential campaign and then joined the 2009 inaugural committee, worked in the administration, serving under the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, and then she was quickly tapped to work with, uh, or work at, rather, the White House on the staff of First Lady Michelle Obama. And from there, Stephanie Project managed her first-ever New York Times bestselling book, American Grown, and managed all kinds of events from start to finish for Uh, First Lady Michelle Obama's both international and domestic events. In 2014, she moved on to New York City and transitioned into the prestige beauty industry as a product developer at the global brand MAC Cosmetics, which really got so bad altogether that Stephanie left the corporate world to travel the globe solo and hear from and talk with women worldwide about their experiences Uh, with their own self-worth and emotional well-being. And from there, Self-Made was born, which I'm a little biased because my friend Janelle Coleman, who you've heard here on the podcast before, uh, recently switched her own professional situation (laughs) to work for Self-Made. She's also a friend of Stephanie's. But I have to tell you, um, I'm really impressed with how Self-Made is merging the world of like beauty goods and the wellness space. They have a great new serum that I'm loving called Secure Attachment. 
that they are bridging that world with the world of actual behavioral psychology, cognitive science, and therapy. They're basically educating people about the power of therapy and self-worth and self-discovery through beauty products. And it's a really interesting model. Um, Let's hear more about it directly from the founder herself, Stephanie Lee. Welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast. Thanks for having me. So excited to talk to you today. I'm excited to talk to you. We have a mutual friend in common, a friend of the show, Janelle uh, Coleman, who's also been on the podcast in the past. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I want to thank Janelle for bringing us together. And I want to ask you about your journey to self-made, your company, which is doing some really radical things in the self-care beauty space. Uh, so first take us back, take us back to the beginning of your career. It sounds like we have a little bit of political background in common and, and tell me about what inspired this, this pivot for you. Well, to tell you the truth, I've always lived around like the beauty world. My mom, when she came over from Vietnam as a refugee, she started out doing hair. So I remember being super young, like sweeping up hair behind her and just like, you know, idolizing what, what she did and like begging her to put lipstick on me. So it's not too far away from like my like OG origins, but we definitely have a lot in common in the sense of like jumping into politics. And I think, you know, I'd love to hear about, you know, how you got into it too, but you know, it was definitely a call to action. And I think for me as a woman of color, um, I grew up in the South. And so there are a lot of people around me that didn't look like me. I always stuck out like a sore thumb or tried to like be invisible and fade into the black, uh, the back. And so um, for me, like politics was natural because I think my parents loved, uh, you know, the U.S. You know, there was definitely that American dream. Um, you know, my dad, I remember he told me when he tried to get his family over from Vietnam because he was the first one that came over at 18. He wrote to like Senator Kennedy, who wasn't even his senator, you know, like right. as, as asking for help as a constituent and stuff. So I think you know, politics was definitely a learning curve for me because I, you know, did makeup at the counter when I was in college. But when Obama came, um, did the DNC convention speech, I was like, I completely believe in the need for hope and change, right? Right. The new era of like how we, how we govern and how, what is our North Star? And I'm sure you felt similarly, right? Back in the day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Definitely. I mean, I was like, how can we do anything else with our lives right now? (laughs) the most important thing for sure. Um, So I jumped on that um, bandwagon and did um, knocked on doors, recruited volunteers. Were you on the like ground team? Yeah. Yeah. So I was doing, actually I was on the new media team as Ah. they called it. I was an intern uh, on the new media team, helping answer uh, voter questions on (laughs) MySpace amongst many other (laughs) platforms that we were using in battleground states. Yes. Just a little bit. That's so funny. Yeah. While you were on MySpace, I was like speaking to volunteers and recruiting and probably fighting over, uh, what are those things? Yard signs, which was a big deal back then. Um, but I really found a sense of leadership and belonging with, uh, um, being within the Obama, uh, world and then ended up working on the inauguration where, you know, I did the train tour from Philly all the way to the, uh, the Capitol with, um, the Obama family. So it's really fantastic memories at such a young age and ended up in the administration and then working for Michelle Obama at the white house, where essentially I managed 
you know, all of her trips travel um, from conception all the way to execution and teams around the world, Secret Service, the Air Force, all that good stuff. And really, you know, amongst doing all that at a very young age, just learned that, you know, leadership really comes from people who care and are willing to question and be curious and, and, and build a community around that. Right. Totally. Um, and so I'm sure that you got a sense of that too, but it was, I think, I don't know how old you were, but I was like 24, I guess, going into the white house. And like, you're just so young and naive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're like, of course I can do all of this stuff. And I think probably is something that I bring to the table here, but Ended up um, moving to New York and working for Estee Lauder Mac Cosmetics, doing product development. Well, and that that to me was an interesting twist. Yeah. Obviously, you've been around beauty your whole life, but how do you go from Michelle Obama to Mac? Yeah, well, you know, luckily, the first lady being as popular as she was, it just required a lot of like you know, networking, um, speaking on, you know, my behalf and really getting to know, like, what do I actually want to do? Cause I kind of fell into politics, you know, and, um, yeah, I went to school for communications. Like I thought I was going to do like PR and really, I think I was kind of like on the self journey where I still was a very young, still didn't know that much about me. And I think there was still some success drivers and definitions that probably weren't aligned to like what intrinsically motivated me, but what, mm -hmm. what were extrinsic, right? So like, I felt like, oh, leaving the White House, I have to have the badass job, you know, or else people are going to be like, oh, what, what did you do with all that, like, you know, capital, I guess, I guess. And so working at Estee Lauder, I went there and I actually did kind of like a fellowship program where you um, do, you learn different parts of the business. But I was interested in like TV, fashion, beauty, you know, film. And I just realized, you know, there's a lot out there and I might as well try something to get started. Right. That's so, so interesting. I wonder how many of us were in politics for the Obamas and not for the politics. You know what I mean? <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. That's so interesting. Cool. Yeah. So I moved up that way. And, um, you know, while I was developing these products and really understanding kind of like taking the skill set I already have, which is very much in problem solving. And how do you take an idea from concep conception all the way through execution, which is exactly what I did with Mac Cosmetics, is like understanding like what's the consumer need? What are the innovations, trends, all of the above in order to work with chemists, marketing, and cross-functionally to actually create this product from a little beaker to a big kettle to actually packaged and sold, um, you know, on the retail floor. So it was really incredibly interesting because the passion that I have is really for learning and being challenged rather than it being like one industry. It's, it's really about like how totally. do I use my brain and stimulate it. So and create something the world needs and create something meaningful and different. And I feel like politics and campaigns in particular, not just government, but yes. campaigns are such great training ground for oh, entrepreneurs. <laughs> 100%. It's essentially a startup. I went into like, yeah. you know, as a field organizer, I went into like an empty, decrepit office building and had to build in a field office, you know, right. like an organization from the scratch, <laughs> right? From scratch, from the ground up. That's so funny. 100%. So it was actually like training for what I'm doing now. And, you know, simultaneously while I was working in the beauty industry, I also went through an incredible difficult mental health crisis. Um, and so as a woman of color, not really having the tools, resources, community, or even conversation around my emotional well-being, like I didn't talk about sad things. Like, you know, the expectation was like, you just grin and bear it, you get through it and like act happy. And, 
And unfortunately, that's kind of what uh, led me to that that crisis where I was really seeking help and through a wonderful therapist, I got to devote three years to really working on my emotional and mental health. But that comes with a price because that's my privilege that I get to live right. in New York and have great health insurance and spend an incredible amount of money on 45 minutes of talking and crying, you know? Right. right. And so, you know, while I was working on my self-worth and, you know, my feelings of like self-trust and understanding myself and in those voids that I haven't been able to create for myself, I realized that I was actually creating a world that supported that void, right? So I was working in the beauty industry where a large amount of the marketing is to really exploit flaws, right? And to create a deficit mindset where we question our worth and feel like we can buy something in a transactional experience to feel better in that moment. But it doesn't, right? It never makes us feel better as much as marketing says like, ooh, treat yourself, right? Like as women, we're like prime targets for this, unfortunately, totally. right? And um, I mean, we are the primary consumer yes. for those kinds of products. It's funny, you're preempting a question I had for later about, yeah, but can you buy happiness? Can you buy <laughs> less stress? Because that is what's being sold in the self-care industry, Absolutely. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, and you can't, right? right? Like you can build, you know, and we'll, I won't steal your thunder or anything like that, but you can <laughs> build these emotional skill building blocks to do that. Can you buy a workshop to do it? Can you buy conversations with a therapist to do it? Can you buy a workbook or, you know, a digital app? Absolutely. But ultimately is understanding that these are tools and not the end all be all, right? And I that is the issue that I ran into as, again, a woman of color, a young, impressionable woman of color working in beauty. And, you know, women make 83% of the household buying decisions. We are the target no matter what it is. And so questioning our self-worth is the name of the game. It is the business, right? And so... Once I just remember when I actually quit my my job and I like unfollowed all these beauty brands and bloggers and influencers, I literally felt a weight lifted off my shoulders because I didn't realize like how homogenous the beauty industry had become, and that expectation to look and join that you know that sameness um, felt like a an underlying pressure that I couldn't escape and. I actually went to go travel around the world for a year. So I visited like 11 countries, 16 states, and I spoke to women across the world about mental health and their emotional well-being, their relationship to their self-worth. And the thing is, it wasn't just me, right? We all have these moments of joy, excitement, you know, questioning, self-doubt, depression, sadness, hopelessness. And it's actually that those emotions that, that connect us right? It's that larger community that we're all human and we go through the same exact things. We just maybe don't feel comfortable or have the emotional um, ability to speak those things out loud without feeling judged. Right. And it, it's not covered in our education system. Oh, you know no. what I mean? Those tools are not, are not easily readily available. You talked a little bit about your own mental health crisis and having read about your, your history, it sounds like you were dealing with anxiety and depression um, during that time. Do you feel like as uh, a, a first generation American, right? Mm -hmm. Child of immigrants that you're pursuing therapy had an extra, 
I don't want to say taboo to it, but was like, was also another layer of that. Tell me about that. Absolutely. It's one of those things which is like, oh, therapy is great for you. I'm so supportive as your friend. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) And then like when it comes to me, I was like, well, I don't want to go to therapy. You know, there's, it's almost like this fear of speaking something out loud means you have to deal with it. Right. And I come from an Asian culture where we keep those things to ourselves, right? And privacy and like duty and honor to the greater good of the family is at a higher level. And so when I first started therapy, like, you know, my parents were supportive because they knew that I needed something uh, because I had just reached the end, you know, the rock bottom in terms of like being able to take care of myself. Like there are days that I couldn't wash my dishes, you know, and speaking to my therapist, she was like, this is the time where you're vulnerable and you ask a friend to come over and help you wash the dishes or, or put up the shower curtain. And I was like, but I can't help them. I can't pay them back. And she said to me, she was like, well, when you're, when you're well again and you're healthy, you will pay them back. You know, like you can ask for help now. And it was, even though it's so obvious, it was such a novel idea to me that I was like, I don't have to be 110% all the time and show up like this all the time. Like I can, I can feel bad about myself. About myself right. and that's okay. Like yeah. what? Yeah. It was a pretty big thing, but I, you know, like my parents are pretty incredible as much as they didn't speak about, you know, the traumas they went in, you know, and experienced, whether it's war or being ripped away from, you know, your country, they actually went to therapy with me. I mean, it wow. was, yeah, it was a pretty big deal. Cause I knew that the healing I had to do was primarily with our first caregivers, our first attachments, mm-hmm. which is, mm-hmm. you know, our family or whoever our guardians may be. And so I invited them and it was like pulling teeth, of course. And I remember my mom like had her, um, her arms crossed, like very closed <laughs> you know, yeah. bodily communication. And by the end of it, she was like open and laughing with my therapist, but I was like, if she doesn't enjoy this or see the need of this, she right. will, yeah, she will not want me to go. And it was so critical to go. But she ended up coming up uh, about five times with me. And like, I got to experience ep- empathy for my parents and see them not as just like dad and mom, but human beings, which I think was revolutionary, mm-hmm. you know, in, our, in that relationship. So, yeah. Stephanie, you've moved on since your time at Estee Lauder to then launch your own venture, Self Made, which is so obviously informed, having familiarized myself with Self Made. You know, it's so obviously informed by your life's biggest experiences that you've been describing here. Tell me about the thought process behind venturing into entrepreneurship. Um, terrifying. (laughs) I don't know if you you felt the same way when you started. (laughs) Um, it was terrifying because, you know, I had been working in such large institutions, right? Like a corporation and the white house. And there's so many safety nets. So like even a paycheck and health insurance, right. That kind of gets us addicted to that, that corporate world of like expecting where your money's going to come from and, and, and how, and when, and for, you know, for me, growing up as a Chinese Vietnamese woman and the child of immigrants, like finances and money was safety. So to right. not have that safety was, was absolutely insane to me. So it took a lot of really hard conversations with myself and with the people that I love, like, you know, my parents, my best friend, Janelle, that you mentioned before, my partner, you know, about, can I actually do that? And so like, 
it was, when you say like, what were the thoughts? It was all revolving around self-doubt, like overcoming yeah. that and really understanding the like emotional resilience. And, you know, like, I don't know if you know the stat, but when I learned it only after I started a business, which is that women only get 2% of venture capital funding total, 2%. And like, for me, again, not knowing and kind of jumping into it, I was like, we can, I can do this. We can do this. Right. Um, and it's important because when I got back from traveling for that year, I was like, do I take another corporate job and like do the paycheck, all that stuff? Or do I actually start something of my own? And, you know, when you choose, when change happens to you, you kind of like go with it, right? You shift, you move over to the left a little bit and you just keep on going. But to choose your own change, now that was really hard. Um, and like to like really figure out what are the steps to do it? Because starting a business and especially one as a startup like this, that like wants to do aggressive impact in the world, um, it's essentially a boys club, you know, like right. I didn't know the first thing about a financial model, you know? Um, and so like, I call, like I called one of my guy friends the other day who just like launched a hand sanitizer, obviously during the pandemic. I was like, how the heck did you do this in three months? He's like, well, I know a guy that knows a guy that does this. And then a guy that does that. And I, that is not how my journey started. Right. It's, it started with first just putting it down on paper and then being so scared to show even my partner who <laughs> I love and trust because I was right. so afraid of judgment, you know? So um, once I actually like, you know, validated it, you know, like, oh, does this actually make sense? I spoke to about 20, 25 odd mental health um, professionals because I was like, first, first of all, I want this to be credible. That is one of the most important things because as you were talking about this, like, can you buy, you know, self-care and self-love? Can you buy mental health? Um, the answer is no, ultimately, right? And so, but I wanted to be able to create credible products that, that are a, linch, a linchpin for discourse around really sensitive things that we didn't learn in grade school. We didn't learn in hope economics or whatever. And so in speaking to these mental health professionals, which ranged from, um, you know, psychologists to psychiatrists, um, to licensed therapists across the board as women of color, black women, all of the above, the first thing was, you know, making sure that it actually made sense. And it was really encouraging because they're like, this is the most delightful way to bring these really sensitive topics to people that need it the most, right? Young totally. Women. So let's let's back up for just a moment and explain the fundamentals of what self-made really is sure. at its core. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate the prompt because I know I can like rattle on forever. <laughs> <about everything. laughs> no, it's it, it's nuanced. It's very nuanced. So yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It, I'm glad you talk about credibility because just like my industry of you know, personal and professional development, there's a lot of bullshit out there. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So essentially self-made, we create personal care products that rit create rituals around your mental health and wellness. So for instance, what we just launched that you put on this morning, Secure Attachment Comfort Serum Plus, um, is a beautiful serum that helps to hydrate. And it's really about filling up your cup and looking at a person as a whole human being. So you know, you don't wake up one day with a zit on your face, you, something triggered it, right? Your anxiety. So you didn't sleep well, you didn't eat well, you didn't drink enough water. And that is the cycle. And as women, when our appearance is tied to our worth, it can go down a much deeper rabbit hole, right? And so 
in terms of the uh, Secure Attachment Comfort Serum, not only is it really hydrating and beautiful with hyaluronic acid, there's an active ingredient in there that actually is proven to lower your cortisol levels, which is your stress hormone. Um, so stress shows up in our skin in many different ways, whether it's irritation, dryness, you know, texture, all of the above. And it's really looking at the whole cycle of it versus just slap this on your face. Right. <laughs> and your website, beselfmade.co, like if you're shopping for a serum or any one of your products to come, like it, it ties it all back to concepts from therapy, right? So you've got the name even secure attachment uh, comes right out of attachment therapy theory or whatever, attachment yes. theory. And so, you know, why were you talking to all of those therapists and mental health professionals? What is the connection there? Yeah. So like you said, secure attachment actually is a psychological concept, right? So it's about how do we actually truly bond? How do we create emotional boundaries um, and really uh, healthy relationships? And so the actual physical product itself personifies that. So it helps you protect your moisture barrier. It helps to create bonding with your skin and is used as a primer for makeup. So it's really about using that physicality around um, personal care and beauty products that we as women already subconsciously have that emotional relationship, right? Mm -hmm. So the moment that you're stressed when you come home from work, although now we just leave the desk to go to the shower, right. <laughs> <laughs> you take a shower to wash off the day, right? And you feel refreshed. It already inherently is an emotional experience. So by using psychological concepts rather than, you know, like, you know, hangover cure or whatever people are using nowadays, it's actually asking us to really question what we invite into our lives and on our vanity, right? Mm -hmm. And it is, is a physical representation of that intention in our space and what we do with it. So go ahead. What would you say to someone who says that's just clever marketing? I totally get it. I totally <laughs> get it. And I, I would love for people to to continue to question and which we do have folks that do question because, you know, trust is a big thing with this, this company. Right. So not only is it a physical marker for that ritual aspect of it, it actually is the umbrella in which we create content and right. really look towards mental health experts, like the two that we have on our um, advisory board that we actually develop these products with. One is a psychologist that primarily focuses on uh, relationships of color and intimacy uh, as an expert in sexual wellness. And the other, um, he is a psychiatrist that primarily works with communities of color and has done consulting with the city of New York and the county of LA. So it's so important to us that even the words and even the way that you know women of color are represented um, is psychologically safe. You know, there's right. a lot of triggering that can come from just an image, um, uh, period. Yeah, absolutely. And so it, it sounds like it informs the whole life cycle of your organization. 100%. Um, talk to me about the common room, because I think yeah. that's also a big differentiator. It's not just the product, it's this digital experience that comes with it. Yeah. So when we talk about rituals, so much of us now live in the physical and digital world too, right? So to say that our ritual only lives in our bathroom or bathtub is definitely very like old school thinking. So when you buy secure attachment, you actually get access to the common room, which is our digital tool. It's 21 days of emotional skill building. So 
it explores what does a secure attachment look like in your own life? And it asks questions for you to reflect on and do activities. And the whole point of this is to really self-empower that user to do that self-exploration themselves rather than looking elsewhere to an influencer, to a guru. You know, anytime someone's like, you know, you should do this or you should do that. I always question the should, right? Yeah. Because that's someone telling me what to do. Whereas we ourselves are the only person with like self-awareness and the work that knows what is best for ourselves. Totally. Totally. That's the world that we're creating. And so we actually are coming out with a new product by the end of, um, March that has to do with resilience. So every time we have a product launch, the whole world changes. So it'll be, you know, the product will be related to resilience. The common room will be related to resilience and the content and the, the experts we bring to the table in order to really really use this as an anchor for discourse. So how do you feel like this is disrupting the whole self-care industrial complex that exists in our wellness space, which I think has been rightfully critiqued from like the goop world to, um, just the expensive nature of like products that are supposed to alleviate what are really more systemic problems in our society. What is your, what is your kind of hope for the industry? Yeah. So, you know, there's all these words that are thrown around that are now marketing buzzwords, right? Self-care, self-love, mindfulness. But like every time I read about it or see a brand post about it, I'm like, what the hell does that actually mean? Right. Mm -hmm. It's become so diluted that we've lost the real sense of what it is and how it's rooted in our emotional well-being. So by breaking it down and actually creating these baby steps, it's almost like pre-therapy, right? So that you have the understanding or at least the tools and resources and a place to go to discover these things versus just using them as, again, marketing bullets. And we actually created um, this environment based on the elements of what self-love is. So you know, self-love is that self-worth and trust. And, you know, if you want to talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's like that self-actualization piece, right? We're all trying to get there. (laughs) (laughs) But what it is to to work on your self-love, your love for self is true self-care, right? So that's differentiated from self-maintenance, right? So like it's putting the gas in the car versus doing, you know, the the wax for the shine, right? It's (laughs) like, what do you need to do for yourself to be a human being is the self-care piece. What do you need to do to like feel rewarded and treat yourself? You know, whether it's a manicure or massage is the self-maintenance piece. That self-maintenance piece is what people are getting confused with true self-care. And that's, that's what we want to make a definition and uh, draw a line in the sand with for us. Interesting. I've never really heard it put that way before. Self-maintenance versus self-care. And there is a time and place for self-maintenance, right? Like we're not saying no one should put cucumber slices on their (laughs) eyes or get manicures. Like I think it's just not a good substitute for setting healthy boundaries. Absolutely. Yeah. Having tough conversations and addressing self-worthiness issues. You know what I mean? Like I think that differentiation is important. That's so interesting. Yeah, I completely agree because I love, I love a good massage, right? It definitely <laughs> right. fills me up in a different way. But again, it's that, it's that, uh, you know, using it blindly, right? And not questioning how is this actually filling me up? Is it what I need to do to actually take care of myself is the key uh, moment of questioning and what we want to present a space and tools to do. 
Um, the second part of, you know, self-love is about self-awareness, right? And that's about, you know, seeing yourself for who you really are, but also seeing yourself in other people's stories. And so that's why it's so important, like the things that you're doing with your podcast and like sharing about lived experiences is because, you know, there's a time where I wasn't vulnerable. I held on to that shame because it was too scary. But if we create that space to be able to share, like, I'm actually feeling really scared and like have that validation. Validation is so powerful for our self-awareness, right? Like, it's incredible to be able to like show up in a space and have someone see us as we truly are. And that helps propel this journey as well. So really sharing those stories, voices, opinions, all of the above is so incredibly important. And then the last piece to, you know, this whole formula to self-love is really emotional integrity, which is different from emotional intelligence, right? It's the, it's the action behind um, emotional intelligence, right? So the ability to show up, you know, as you are without the fear of judgment, that fear of judgment. Right. Being key. <laughs> and and yeah. I, I think it's like, I always call this making yourself proud, even at the cost of maybe disappointing others. Like when I think about integrity, it's like, did I stand up for myself? Did I, yes. did I say what I needed to say to feel proud of myself today? 100%. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah, absolutely. And that shit's always scary. You know what I mean? Like that more <laughs> often than not, it's like your integrity wouldn't be questioned unless that was hard to do. So it's like, you know, doing yourself, like doing your own due diligence on your own behalf is so, so key there. And I, yeah. I think that's such an evolved state of mind to be in when it comes to loving yourself in an active way. Absolutely. And it requires giving yourself the time to slow down, right? Like, I think if anything, going through this like emotional trauma of the pandemic and COVID, yeah. we've been all, we're all halting in our tracks and spending time with ourselves. But, you know, it's really slowing down enough to like, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What are my normal reactions to like protect myself because I'm scared? And how do I, how do, I do different, you know, is what, is what we're really building tools around. Um, in order to do. So it is hard. None of this, none of this is easy, which goes back to the very point, like you can't buy it, right? Right. <laughs> it doesn't come in a bottle. Exactly. What would you say to folks, and I know our, our time is limited here, but what would you say to folks who are experiencing just unprecedented levels of anxiety right now? Because we took a poll and we always take a poll, like a, a pretty detailed survey of the Bossed Up community. Mm -hmm. uh, at the start of this year. And we, we do one of these every year and we have never seen such off the charts, unbridled anxiety, uh, as we have right now. And this pandemic is far from over. What do you, yes. you know, for those who've never sought out support and who, who might be finding themselves hitting their own personal rock bottom moment, how would you advise someone to just take the beginning steps, uh, of maybe, you know, doing something about that? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question that I've worked so hard to continue to, to figure out what those tools are for me. I would say, firstly, you are absolutely not alone. And I'm sure that survey shows that people are not alone in feeling this. And, you know, when it comes to like that voice in our head, I think self-talk is the number one uh, hardest thing to do, but also the, the best place to start. You know, 
I even, you know, in the last couple of weeks have been struggling with my COVID weight that I've put on and like can hear myself speaking really negatively to myself, Mm. you know, whether it's like body checking every time I walk past a mirror or reflection and like making negative judgments, like even just starting to catch that, you know, what is our anxiety saying to us? What is the self-talk saying to us and reversing that and trying Mm -hmm. really hard to reframe that um, in a sense that like, you know, I deserve kindness. I am safe. Um, these are messages that I actually have to really work hard to talk to myself and say to myself on a daily basis, especially the safety piece. Mm, right. Cause it's usually our brain saying we're not safe. <laughs> responding to something that's like not quite a saber tooth tiger, although our physiology treats it the same way as though it's a charging threat towards us. So yeah, I think that's so, so interesting. Well, Um, Stephanie, this has been so interesting, such a fascinating dialogue. I'd love to hear where our listeners can learn more about you and self-made and just keep up with the kind of disruption that you're bringing to the (laughs) self-care industry. Well, there's certainly more to come and certainly um, we at Self-Made appreciate being held to accountable to what we're trying Mm. to do in terms of that disruption. So it's always a two-way street. We're dealing with that today in terms of how we present ourselves and hearing from our consumers and viewers and people who are engaging with us. Um, We're building it with you, not for you. So that's why it's important. You can find us on Instagram at at beselfmade.co.com. And that's the same thing for our web address, beselfmade.co. But otherwise, like I would love, I know, Emily, that you've tried uh, Secure Attachment. I'd Mm -hmm. love for Mm -hmm. all your listeners out there to also give it a try. So um, for those listening out there, you can use the promo code BOSSEDUP15 for 15% off and would love to hear, you know, even from your viewers, if they want to engage with us, like how they're working on their attachment styles, you know. Totally. It's a long journey. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, you know, starting with a great product certainly doesn't hurt, but like keeping the journey going through the programming and the content is so, so key. Well, thank you so much for being here and for sharing, sharing your journey with us. Yeah. Thanks for making the space to do it. To learn more about all the resources Stephanie and I mentioned on today's podcast, head to bossedup.org slash episode 310. And now it's time for this week's Boss Move of the Week. Today, I want to give a little shout out to a longtime listener who slid into my DMs on Instagram recently to share this. Hi, I just had an interview and I wanted to say thank you for your years of advice and inspiration. I've been following you since your Stuff Mom Never Told You days. Shout out to my OGs from the Sminty days. And I felt so prepared to advocate for myself today because of all the information you've shared over the years. I think the interview went well for a very honest environmental company to get away from my misogynistic slash staunch right slash nationalistic slash greedy slash entitled boss. So thank you. Your work helps so many women and men, I'm sure. It's just so selfless for you to share your knowledge. First of all, yes, I will admit this was a bit of a self-congratulatory boss move to share. But thank you, Liz, for sharing your kind words. Uh, I do share a lot here on the podcast because I believe strongly in the idea that we can kind of inspire one another to just be a little more courageous in advocating for ourselves when we hear from other women who are doing the same damn thing. So Liz, when you wrote this in, when you sent me this DM, 
you know, I wanted to share it here to give other folks courage to get the F out of their workplaces that are toxic, to advocate for themselves in the interview process, just like you are doing right now. You really never know who you're inspiring when you share your come up story. So I'm sending you all the good job interview vibes your way. And even if this job doesn't work out, the courage that it takes to really put yourself out there and really ask for what you want and really demand what you're worth is kind of like a muscle that takes development through practice. It takes iteration. It takes strengthening and conditioning through continuous courage. And I commend you for that. And I hope it inspires that this little story inspires many others listening today to do the same. So shout out to you, Liz, for being an OG podcast listener from back in the day. So glad to hear you're making the most of this podcast and all the bossed up resources that are out there. I really am rooting for you. Alrighty, y'all. That's all I have for you today. Thank you in advance for sharing, for reviewing the pod in uh, in Apple Podcasts. That really makes a difference in her- in terms of how many others can discover the podcast. But nothing goes further than sharing the podcast episodes that you find really powerful with the women in your world who could use it. So start a debate. Ask your community on Facebook or Twitter or wherever, LinkedIn, what they think about the self-care industrial complex. I would love to continue the conversation with you. The best conversations are always happening after each episode in the Bossed Up Courage community on Facebook itself. So make sure you join us there. Uh, and tag me on Instagram and and Twitter and all the places at Emily Aries or at Bossed Up Org. I love hearing from you. Until next time, keep Boston in pursuit of your purpose. And together, let's lift as we climb.